0: You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, episode 203 is now on the air, and thank you for listening. Thank you to all my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons and GameMat.eu for supporting the show. Tonight, or today, whenever you're listening to this, I don't know when you're listening to this. Shut up. We are discussing three different things. We are finding out if the dark commune or whatever the chaos cultist models are, if they're worth it, whether I want that or want that not. We have a letter from Seth where he's using his 40k models with the brutality rules in order to make a narrative campaign, which is really cool and set in the Warhammer universe, not in the brutal realm. And then we also discuss whether or not Warhammer is for everyone. Now, that sounds weird, right? But you'll have to listen to that segment because I actually, I think, have a pretty good argument that it is not for everyone if you take that sentence exactly worded that exact way. So last week, I actually got to see all of my Patreon patrons in the flesh. It was fantastic. We had a great time. We were all invited to Fergie's Ballet Recital. So we all got together and it was it was quite a time. I got to tell you, Fergie did pretty well he was the third tree in the background and he had to do a little shimmy and a little shake in- during the performance and he did pretty good, lost a couple branches, but he I- I'm pretty proud of the little guy. Fergie, I'm proud of you. I am not so proud of the rest of the Patreon patrons and how they acted during this ballet recital. First off, Juicy Jim and Leroy Jenkins were up in the balcony acting like the two old men from the Muppets throwing popcorn at everybody on stage and generally heckling everybody, which was not appreciated. Grendel kept falling asleep and had to be woken up not twice, but three times for snoring very loudly. I had to break up a fight between Mandy and LT over organic vegetables. Brendan would not stop making fart noises very loudly during the performance, and Shade came in drunk. Meanwhile, Aaron and Chris were hiding out in the bathroom so they could avoid the performance altogether and not support their fellow Patreon patron. And most embarrassing of all, my two mother-flipping lords, Kojo and Mike, they're supposed to be the leaders of the organization, and they got into a pissing match, literally in the hallway, to see who could go farther. I am very disappointed with all of my Patreon patrons, but I still love you all. Anyway, what have I been up to? Well, I played a game of Brutality with an old friend, remember I've mentioned him before, There's one guy, there's a couple guys in my life that I've ran into that were just very, very good Warhammer players. I mean, very good. Very skilled, very knowledgeable. And um, the type of people that follow the trends and they watch what other codexes are and the type of people that study all of the codexes so they know how to handle different things and they take the game very seriously. Not necessarily in a jerk way, but very seriously. Well, um, my old friend Alex, not... Not Loremaster Alex, but another friend Alex who moved away for a long time because he's in the Navy. He's back in town and uh, he wanted to try Brutality because he didn't, you know, ever get a chance to try it. So we played a game of that and uh, I accidentally beat him. I didn't really mean to. I was even really going easy on him. But his one character failed, critically failed three two inch charges. He rolled a one, a one and a one over the course of the game. So that's that's pretty crazy. His other person almost had an aneurysm. Dealt two uh, damage to themselves trying to do powers. Then he wanted, for old times' sake, to play a Warhammer forty k game. I brought my Necrons. I threw together a list. I didn't even have my book. James had it, so uh, James gave it to me right before I was supposed to play. And I'm like trying to like scramble and and look at this list, which <sighs> you should know how this is gonna end. Um, he brought uh, Alex brought Eldar, and he completely. Pretty much tabled me on turn two. And a, some of that was my mistakes. Some of it. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of line of sight blocking on my side of the board. And um, that really hurt me. He took out a good half of my uh, uh, destroyers in uh, in the first turn. And um, so at the very end of turn two, I had... What did I have? My Nightbringer and I think one other thing. I don't know. Oh, some Lich Guard. That's what I had left. And um, he just was like, you want to call it? Because I'm going to get max points. And I'm like, yes, I do want to call it. Thank you for that. I didn't have my heart in it, and uh, he spanked me like I assumed he would. Uh, the last time that I played him was probably four years ago before he moved. He came to my house when we played Warhammer, and I actually beat him. Now, my win rate against Alex is probably... 10%, maybe 15%. I mean, maybe once or twice I'll win out of 10 games is our uh, our history together. He's a very good player and he knows his stuff. Whereas I I think I'm a fairly good player but I don't take it real seriously and I really need to when I'm playing him because he's going to take it seriously. So, um but I uh, I got my butt handed to me. So, he beat me max score to I think I had 20 points or something like not not good so um what else what else have i been up to um i am so i have gotten a bunch of people's input about my short stories and by and large everyone liked them but they uh even the guy that originally was pretty negative about it uh he when he's doing individual critiques of the stories he actually likes most of them so that's good um i guess he was having a bad day or something on the the overall critique day but um Anyway, I'm going through each story and I'm just tidying things up. And of course, there is such thing as overproducing something and you will never make anything perfect. I mean, I went over the rule book for brutality six whole times, probably. I mean, and I had friends read it and I know my friend Matt did it two or three times alone read over the whole book. And there's still one or two typos in that damn book. And it's really frustrating because You just, you just can't get them all. So anytime people love to hate on Games Workshop about typos in their books, look, I get it. It's very, very hard to find typos. And after a while, your eyes just start glazing over. But um, anyway, my short stories, I'm five stories in now of completely, um, you know, cutting out some, some little things or adding some little things or some clarifications that were a little confusing or whatever. It's really minor stuff, but I want the stories to be as perfect as I can possibly make them. So I'm uh I'm pretty excited about it. So I am in my very meager free time. That's what I'm doing. And that's all I have to say really. So let's get on with the rest of the show. And uh Patreon patrons, like I said, you need to you need to shape up next time we meet. All right, let's do it. Oh, um if the last episode I almost almost forgot this. If the last episode was messed up for you, you need to refresh your podcast app. And, um, somehow I left out the real talk. I don't know how or why I did that, but, um, if your title on the podcast has parentheses fixed after the title name, then you know, you've got the most current version and it is the full version. So just wanted to let you know that, um, I cover chaos gate, the 40 K PC game that just came out like two months ago. And, um, you know what that asshole juicy Jim said to me, do you know what he said to me? He, he texted me and he was one of like half a dozen people that messaged me and said, hey, uh, bro, your uh, your podcast is messed up this week. And um, anyway, he, he messaged me and goes, oh, man, sounds like you're going to FAQ or errata that episode to fix it. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it was it was so smart ass. I, I was really, really tickled. I was actually physically laughing out loud. It was just too good. Because all I ever do is rail on GW with their constant FAQs and just get it right the first time and all the things I say. And he just straight up called me out for messing up on my thing. Which, I mean, hey, I did mess up. So that's, that's the way it goes. But what I like is that Juicy is comfortable enough with me to tell me when I screwed up and say it in the most smart-ass way he can. And you know what? I have a lot of, lot of uh, respect for that. Anyway. All right. Let's really get on with it now. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. On the Tesseract mailbox, we have another letter from Seth, and he's writing referring to brutality. He says, Good morning, Pemkron. I did indeed get the main rulebook for Brutality for Father's Day, as hoped, and my joy for the game has only increased immensely over the last month, so much so, in fact, that I've decided to bite the bullet and join Facebook so I can post and interact with the Brutality community. I'm glad to hear that, Seth, and it's been nice seeing all of your posts recently on the Facebook group sharing your war bands and some of your battle reports, so you've been a nice addition to the community. He continues, I've been using the brutality system as a way to tell my own stories in the Warhammer 40k universe to start with, since it runs so much smoother and creates such a narrative experience. Whoop, whoop. That's what I like to hear. And many more universes to come. Plus, I've always found the universe to be interesting, but feel like the game itself, he's talking about 40k, does not allow you to explore the story possibilities very well, and army construction is so limited. Brutality has been amazing in this regard. I continue to be delighted by how the wound chart rolls add depth to the play, and I love the additional variety of missions in the full book. My wife and I have been playing a campaign together on weekends, and it has been wonderful. She wanted to use just her sisters of battle, Celestine the Living Saint, and Gemini Superior as her starting force, so I started off with my Inquisitor and two of his companions. They have been dealing with Necron Incursion on an Imperial Forge world. That sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. I also really wanted you to know a few weeks ago, my partner partner of nine years at work resigned. It's been absolutely insanity trying to fill the gap left by his departure, but it has been so very wonderful to be able to take a break over lunch and get in a match of brutality when I can. It's been an incredibly helpful escape and I have very, very much appreciated it. Plus I've also been able to tell folks about it when they stop by to check it out while playing again. Thank you very much and have a great rest of rest of your weekend. So, Thank you very much for writing in, Seth. I do greatly appreciate it. I'm happy you joined the club, and I'm happy that you are enjoying Brutality. And originally, before I was convinced to make a setting and all of that, originally Brutality was going to just be a generic game system that you could use for anything. And then ultimately people needed... Backstory factions, all of that to get them into the game. So then I created all of that. But originally it was going to be like a GURPS style generic skirmish game. So it's interesting to hear someone actually using it in the way that it was originally intended. And uh, he brought me, he sent me pictures of his warband, which is pretty funny. Um, he's got, uh, I don't know what this is, an Altar. It's a Eldar with wings and like a jetpack. It might be a kit bash. I'm not positive. He's got her, and then he's got a Deathwatch guy with a jump pack, power sword, storm shield, and then he's got a servo skull, which is his pet, which is adorable. And he's also got a Grot medic <laughs> with a jetpack, and I love it. And uh, he also sent pictures of the Celestine and the Gemini as well, and they're all they're all very pretty, pretty models. So, but I'm happy to hear that you're using it in your own creative way. And uh, Seth also mentioned that he was doing mech battles using brutality and he's just using the system for a bunch of different stuff which is cool i'm happy that anybody can twist it and tweak it and make it their own so keep on keeping on seth and uh, stay in contact i know you will via facebook because i've seen you a lot lately and we will get on to the next segment want that or want that not Well, I think you know what time it is. It's time for Want That or Want That Not. I think in my last episode, I accidentally called it Real Talk because I'm stupid. But this is Want That or Want That Not. We are discussing the dark commune for Chaos Space Marines today. It is five people. I was going to say dudes. There's no telling what they are. Five people for $50. Apparently, it's a sinister HQ choice for supporting Chaos Space Marine armies. What's interesting is, is this a unit of five people as an HQ choice? That's kind of an interesting thing because they have not done that. They usually only have single models as their HQ choices. So if that's the case, that's kind of interesting. You can supposedly blast foes with psychic might, cut them down with vicious blades, and drive your cultists into a frenzy of infernal faith. What do these guys look like? Well, they have robes on. Two of them have big swords. They kind of look like... Slightly like executioners for uh, dark elves. And let's say two of them kind of look like ring wraiths a little bit. They've got giant swords, they got these weird helmets, shoulder pads, and black togas, black robes on. They are generically evil looking. They're not bad looking, they're just not super interesting. Then you've got this icon bearer that is holding a pretty interesting looking icon. And He's got two regular human arms. He's got two human legs. And then he's got two big tentacles coming out from underneath his banner arm. And the tentacles are helping to hold the banner. Overall, kind of a neat model. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's totally passable. Then we've got what is probably the actual leader. And the leader is, I think, a woman. And she has a lot of horns on her. She's got... I mean, it's hard to even say anything about this she's got like a staff that is xinchian looking and it's got tentacles coming out of the symbol and overall that's pretty cool she's got a big um like tabards hanging and she's very ornately dressed she's got uh you can't even see her eyes that's like that's like the thing for this group so the two ringwraith guys have helmets that cover their whole face then the icon banner guy's got a hood on so you can only see from his nose down And then this woman's got this helmet on like a cheese grater (laughs) and you can only see from her nose down and she's pretty cool looking. I think she's fairly interesting, somewhat generically chaos, but pretty interesting. And then the fifth person we get to, I don't even know how to describe this model. Have you ever look at a model and it's so busy and it's so odd that you're like, what on earth am I looking at? So... I can't entirely tell you what I'm looking at, but it's a person with two arms and two legs and its arms are sticking out like, sup, bro, like it's like it's going to fight you, but its palms are out and it's a head with some sort of giant metal contraption on it and it almost looks like it's like a corkscrew that's either stretching its face or crushing its face like you could tighten it up. And then it's got like tubes in its veins of its arm. And then up top there's like, I don't know if that's brain sticking out or what that is. But there's like all this lumpy crap and a horn. And then then it's got four small metal arms coming off all corners of its giant head. And they each have a candle. So whatever that is, I don't know. But. All in all, they're not bad looking. I think they're very passable. Um, I think it's neat that you've got an HQ unit. I like that. That's a positive. None of these are so bland that they look bad. They're all passable to maybe slightly higher than passable. And I like that you've got something to apparently buff your cultists. So that's also a new thing. Anytime I get new tactical options, that's great. And I think that's about it. So $5, $50 for five of these models is totally fine. Once again, I'm, I'm actually pretty lukewarm to this whole thing, maybe just slightly higher than lukewarm. So if C was completely, I don't care. I'm like maybe a C plus. I slightly like it, um, So, I would say this is a want that for me, but an extremely lukewarm want that. Like, if you got 50 extra dollars as a bonus from your work or a birthday or something like that, and you've bought every other model in the Chaos Space Marine line, except for this one, or you really like cultists and you want someone to whip them into a frenzy of infernal faith, then I could see spending 50 bucks on this. I... Don't I can't say that I'm going to do it because I don't play cultists anyway. So this is probably not actually something I will buy. But overall, I can definitely see where someone would want to buy it. So that is a want that for the Pimpcron. Hit it, Johnny! Now it's time for real talk with Pimpcron. So in this real talk we are discussing something that was all the rage a couple years ago when Games Workshop said that Warhammer is for everyone. And it got me thinking, is Warhammer really for everyone? Let's get just a tad bit philosophical here and see if that is a correct statement about Warhammer. Now, this may sound slightly pedantic, but it truly is not. And this is where Um, language choice and things like that actually matter and whether or not this reveals the plans Games Workshop has for the game or was it just something that was slightly sloppily written or maybe misdirected. So, first and foremost, is Warhammer for everyone? No. Actually, Warhammer in its current state is not for everyone. And what I mean by that is... Is that you are taking the impetus and putting it on Warhammer when you say that statement. And you say that Warhammer itself in its current state is for everyone. Your grandma, your uncle, your toddler, your your regardless of race, gender, or any of that. Just it is for everyone. I would say that it is not for everyone. But Warhammer should be for everyone anyone and uh some of you right now might be throwing your hands up going oh my god that's the most pedantic thing i've ever heard in my life but no 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 please hear me out those two phrases warhammers for everyone and warhammers for anyone are two extremely different phrases and they mean a completely different practically opposite thing in their meanings Now, I couldn't make this argument probably in the grand public, right? Because the grand public would probably burn me at the stake or something like that for saying, oh, Warhammer's not for everyone. Oh my God, he's a bigot or whatever. But I feel like my audience is mostly mature and intelligent enough to understand what I'm saying without taking it out of context. I think the goal for any product or community or movie or literally anything, right, Anything that you want to do that interfere interacts with people, you want it to be for anyone. In other words, you are putting the impetus on the person. If the person finds your product or your community or whatever, and they see that their values or their interest or their lifestyle lines up with yours or your products, then they decide or they can decide. Oh, that they can join, right? They can watch your movie. They can join your club. They can do whatever. In other words, your product is open and welcoming to anyone who chooses to interact with it. But saying that your product is for everyone is kind of dangerous if you think about it. Now, Now, I was trying to think of something that actually is for everyone. Chocolate. Chocolate is probably for everyone. Now, I know some of you might be allergic to chocolate or you might be allergic to milk or whatever, but chocolate is for everyone. And by and large, I mean, we're talking 90-something percent of the population loves chocolate. Um, You could say in a lot of ways, if you're talking broadly, movies are for everyone because there's so many different movies. There's so many different genres and all of that, that anybody, child, grandma, uncle, whatever, gender, race, whatever, you can find a movie that interests you. So movies in general are for everyone. Now, if I were to be more specific, a specific product, a lot of the Marvel movies are probably able to say that they are for everyone and the reason being is that they've got a little bit of love for the people that like romance they got a little bit of humor maybe too much humor a little bit of humor for the people that like humor there's a little bit of action for the people that like act like action there's fantasy stuff there's high tech stuff there they have done a good job of trying to make their product which is their movies as broadly acceptable as possible and as far as movies go, if you look at any of the Marvel movies versus, let's say, Terminator, right? Terminator is not for everyone. It's certainly for anyone, but it's not for everyone. And Marvel movies are, by and large, for everyone. You can find a Marvel movie that you like, and they are open for children, they're open for the elderly, middle, middle age, all of that. So I would say that they are pretty much for everyone. But Warhammer is not for everyone. Most people will not spend the time to assemble models. Most people do not like turn-based games. Most people, speaking of the general population, don't like to paint miniatures. Most people have no interest in collecting miniatures and playing them or keeping up with the FAQs or playing tournaments or whatever. It is as I've said before, is a niche within a niche within a niche. So you've got the overall nerd recreational niche, which is the biggest it's ever been in our history. Then you've got the gamer nerds. Now, a lot of nerds only read comics, or they only, you know, critique movies, or they only read books or whatever. Then you've got the gamer nerds within that. And then many gamer nerds probably most gamer nerds play video games or things like that. So then you've got the tabletop gaming nerds. And then within the tabletop gaming nerds, then you've got the war gaming nerds. And then finally, of all the people that like war games, you've got the Warhammer 40k or Warhammer Age of Sigmar nerds. So we are definitely a tiny, tiny, tiny section of the population. So Warhammer is not for everyone because there's many, many people the majority of the population would look at this and say, oh, that's cute, or oh, that's neat, or whatever, but they are not going to take the plunge into joining it. But it should be open for anyone who chooses to join and interact with it. The danger in saying that a product is for everyone when it's so niche, or niche, it's so niche in a community, kind of scares me. When I think about it like comic books are not for everyone, but it looks like they've tried really, really hard in recent years, the last two decades, probably to make comic books open for everyone. And that means depowering a lot of their main heroes. That means um, replacing a lot of their main heroes with other people, with women or minorities or you know, LGBTQ or any of that, just replacing characters and making superheroes now a mantle, right? It's like, uh, like the new Thor movie, right? Oh, Thor is now a title. It's not a person. Well, we all know who Thor is. Oh, now Jane Foster's also Thor, which I know they did that in the comics and all of that, but I think it's just another... It's another example of trying to make it for everyone. I have no idea who was clamoring to make Jane Foster. Like, where was the giant crowd of people screaming, Make Jane Foster Thor! Like, I don't know anybody that was demanding that. right? But they did it because they're trying to make it for everyone. And obviously, inclusion and all of that is not a problem. That is not at all the problem. There should be gay superheroes there should be female superheroes there should be whatever you honestly superheroes should run the full spectrum of all the different ethnicities and regions and you know there should be uh indian superheroes there should be chinese or russian or whatever and um it should truly be representative of a bunch of different demographics So representation of all those people, that's not the problem at all. That's not what I'm even discussing. Having Jane Foster be be Thor is not really an issue. Calling her Thor or the Mighty Thor is kind of a problem because Thor is Thor. If you take his hammer, he's still Thor. That's who he is, right? But now suddenly you can replace him with someone else and s- use his name to piggyback off that, or at least attempt to, and try to make it so that, oh, people will like this because we're calling Jane, Fo- Thos- Jane Foster Thor now. Like, that's not really how that works. Similar to uh, one of my personal favorite characters, Miles Morales, as um, the, ultimate, the second Ultimate Spider-Man. They shoved him in there, into that role, and called him Spider-Man. But, really spider-man is not really a mantle spider-man is peter parker it always has been peter parker and unfortunately they still refer to miles morales as miles morales spider-man he still has not been able to take over that mantle of spider-man and it's because you know throw whoever you want in the bat suit they're not going to be batman unless It's Bruce Wayne. That's just, that's who that person is. Now, you can create spinoff characters like Batgirl or Nightwing or any of those people, and that's totally fine. Make a new character that has its own identity instead of trying to co-opt someone else's identity. But what I'm getting at with this rambling is that the comic book industry has seen a decline in sales time after time after time and they're they're not doing very well at all the comic book industry despite all of these crazy movies that are out right now they and all the money and the billions and billions of dollars they're making the comic book industry is really struggling and the reason is because they have tried to make comic books for everyone and not for anyone and I'm fully aware of how petty and nitpicky that sounds, but I think by now you're starting to get that there actually are two very different uh, meanings for those. And what happens when a product or a company tries to make something for everyone? It ends up losing its sensibilities, its sense of self, its identity that made its original fans love it. So let's just say, let's just say for a second, I'm going to remake Captain America. And I'm going to make him for everybody, okay? Not anybody. All right. Let's say Captain America is... Well, he can't be white because that's not for everyone. So he needs to be like a tri-racial mixture of, let's say, Asian and black and white, okay? Okay. And Steve is too masculine of a name. Let's give him, like, Jamie or Pat, something like that. So it's not not male, not female. And he should be bilingual or trilingual. Let's say trilingual. He should know all these different languages. And he's really like a cherry picker of religion. There's Sometimes he acts atheist. Sometimes he's Christian. Sometimes he's Hindu. Sometimes he's Muslim. Sometimes he's... He kind of can't decide what religion he is, okay? And... Sometimes he does good, but not all the time, because that would ostracize the people that like villains. We really need to twist him into also being a villain as well, right? So he really needs to be kind of this anti-hero, kind of neutral, kind of multi-gender, kind of generic, kind of multi-religious kind of character, right? And what about people that don't like shields? Okay, well, let's give him some melee weapons. Let's give him a sword. But, wait, there's parts of the demographic that don't like swords. Okay, we also got to give him a pistol or something. Okay, and some people just hate characters who can't fly. So we need to make him fly as well. And do you see what I'm getting at? If you throw everything into the pot, it ends up being nothing because it's everything. The only reason that characters are unique is because of their uniqueness and it's not truly what they are but it's also what they aren't in relation so now if you want to let's do this right captain america keep him steve rogers keep his regular character blah 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 introduce a new character that is a female okay that's a female and make her a different ethnicity all right and give her a similar set of powers or or whatever give her her own identity and help nurture that character alongside Captain America and not replace Captain America, but compliment him. And that's why I think a lot of people didn't have too much of an issue with Bucky becoming Cap when Captain America was replaced by Bucky. And the reason why is because they already knew each other. They had a similar back backstory, a similar history, similar training, all of that, and When Captain America, I think Captain America died at the time. I forget why Captain Steve Rogers quit being Captain America. But when Bucky filled the role of Captain America, he wasn't a brand new character trying to do that so that it can be for everyone. No, he was an existing character and it somewhat made sense. So that is one of the things that sits better with readers or fans of something is that if it makes sense, instead of just coming up with a completely different character and all of a sudden knocking Captain America out of the suit and then throw the suit on them and go, okay, this is Captain America. Now you can't really do that. And that once again is trying to be for everyone. So the danger in the statement, that games workshop has said, and honestly, I don't think they mean it this way, but they are basically putting the impetus on their game to be for everyone. In other words, trying to be everything to all people, which, of course, you know is not correct. It can't, nobody can be everything to everybody. And if they were really to execute doing that to their games, then we may end up starting getting card mechanics in the game and we start getting all sorts of stuff that, are going to make the game lose its identity compared to other things because it's trying to be for everyone. So ultimately you want everyone to be able to join your group if they want. That is making Warhammer for anybody, but you should not try to water down your product to meet the broadest demographic so that you can appeal to everybody because This being a niche, the majority of people in the population are not ever going to go for it. So what you end up doing, the same thing as comics, you end up diluting all of your actual material you have, and then of course your old fans are going to hate it, and they're going to say that you're bastardizing all the things they loved, and meanwhile, you're really not going to get anybody else new. There's not a single person... That and I, I'd be willing to bet you ten dollars. There's not a single person on the earth that was not reading comic books because Jane Tho- Jane Foster was not Thor. And then when they, they when they made her Thor, those that person was like, "Oh dear God, they finally made her Thor." Okay, hot dog, I'm on board. No, there's not a single person in the world that's like that. Now, if they would have made Jane Foster something else, make her join the Valkyrie forces, or or, which still doesn't make sense because she's immortal. But if they would have done something else, I think a lot of people wouldn't have had as big of a deal with it. And once again, that is a pitfall the Games Workshop could fall into, is trying to be everything to everybody. So once again, this is just an interesting uh, thought process for me. This is an interesting um, mental exercise to think about. What language actually means, and I think maybe instead of changing their game to suit everybody, they're trying to appeal more to everybody in their products, and that is actually not too bad of an idea if it pans out economically. Like all their like their little chibi Marines and their chibi Sisters of Battle and all that, you know, there's a very small demographic, um, that like that cutesy stuff, but and i also really can't foresee them joining the the game just because of those models but that might be a thing right um a really good example of trying to slightly broaden your fan base through other means would be the um the total war games the warhammer total war and the old real time strategy games dark crusade i cannot why can i not think of what this is called but Those old RTS games for PC brought in a lot of people that learned about Warhammer through that. Now, of course, video gaming and tabletop gaming are cousins, practically, maybe even siblings. It's a very small hop to go from video gaming to tabletop gaming, a very small hop. Um, But you're probably not going to be getting anybody else new with these chibi things or they've got a bunch of like women's spandex now with Space Marines on them and stuff like that. But you know what? If, if maybe it gets anybody new in the game, then that's totally fine. I don't know what your return on that will be, but I think that's interesting. And honestly, as long as they don't try to water down the game to appeal to all people, um, part of one of the symptoms of that would be you start, stop making it so violent, stop making it so gory. Look at the Marvel movies. The Marvel movies are very watered down so that it appeals to everybody. And I guess the real word would be inoffensive. So that it's inoffensive to the grand audience. And if Games Workshop goes down that road, um, they're going to probably be in trouble. Because we all like the grimdark, the gritty, the violent, the you know terrifying chaos and nefarious Xenos and all that. We like that in our Warhammer. So... If they try to water it down and make play school Warhammer, uh, I don't know that we're going to really go for that. And then what you're going to do is just like the comic books, you ostracize your existing fan base in hopes of grabbing some new people. But you, those people probably never materialize. So I don't think they meant that Warhammer really is for everyone. I really think they meant Warhammer is for anyone, and they're opening the doors to. All genders, races, ethnicities, blah, 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 so that everybody can participate who wants to. And honestly, that is the golden rule. They shouldn't care what your religion or what your politics or any of that stuff is as long as you are a upstanding, good citizen in their community and you buy their games and you're a good ambassador for that game. So... Anyway, sorry if this ended up being uh, trite or pedantic for you, but I really do enjoy this sort of talking and thinking about language and things like that. And I think we can all agree Warhammer is for anybody. Thank you to my beautiful Sexy Goods and Patreon patrons, and thank you to GameAt.eu for supporting the show. I will see you all next week.